Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us on yet another episode of the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, 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 Meadcast. There we go. Oh, you guys just heard a little uh, voice there. Actually, not a little voice. Pretty big, deep sounding voice. We've got a guest once again. He's been with us before, actually in an episode, just the last episode five, but this is episode six, and we are going to be talking with our resident Viking, Halbjorn, about something kind of interesting. Some topic that you might not think of, but if you saw the title, then you know what you're in for. We're in for some Viking hygiene talk. And so I'm actually really interested to know about this. I know nothing about Viking Mm -hmm. hygiene. And so, yeah, so Javion, welcome once again to the Meadcast. Oh, definitely. It's always a pleasure to be on here. Sweet. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> Not sure all guests are going to agree with that, but glad we'll you see. feel that way. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the topic of Viking hygiene. Well, what and... better what better thing to bring up during this uh, the COVID nineteen crisis is you know maybe we can learn a two, thing or two or unlearn a thing or two from the Vikings because you know d- despite the. Uh, the media and a lot of people talking about them being just very dirty barbarians. They're actually quite clean. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly answered. I was, you jumped in there before I even asked the question. I was going to ask where that idea came from, but yeah, this COVID-19 uh, coronavirus pandemic is something where we are probably, at least most of us are the cleanest we've ever been out. Although I don't know, some people in quarantine probably aren't taking as many showers as they used to. Sure. <laughs> but so Yeah, um, when I think Vikings, and I kind of wrote this down a little bit, but I think about the, when I think about a picture of a Viking, I do think of usually like dirt on their face and like mangled and like big gruffy, so therefore probably sweaty for some reason. Yeah, you think about these, these big kind of physical presence warrior types and you don't think of, of their cleanliness, but you're here to tell us something a little different. Yeah, well, um, so definitely there's a couple reasons why they are depicted as very, you know, barbaric and very pelt-wearing and, and grubby. Uh, <laughs> the the main reason is because, well, the Vikings have always been, you know, demonized more or less by the, pe- by the monks who had a much more efficient writing system. So they were the ones writing the history. So, of course, sometimes they come out as just as barbaric as possible. Oh. Um, but then archaeology kind of tends to disagree uh, with that assessment, as well as some other actual historical uh, accounts from both the Anglo-Saxons, um, and there's some there's some descriptions as well from uh, a few Arab writers and diplomats that visited some parts of Scandinavia and some parts of uh, Russia, and they describe some of the washing habits. But to them, it's very unclean. But they do still admit that it was cleaner than the rest of Europe. Hmm. Well, that's interesting talking about the the ability of the more efficient and and maybe knowledgeable people being able to write and and dictate. Uh, you know, if you don't like someone and you can you know express it better than they can, then that's what's going to be passed on. 
Right. Oftentimes, history is written by the victors, um, but when it's written mm. by the victims, you can be damn sure that the victors are going to be demonized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's um, wow. That's that's an interesting point. And so, um, yeah, where, uh, what are kind of some of the biggest? What are some of the biggest demonizing things as far as, and we can stick to kind of hygiene, but we can also talk a little bit more about it. But what are some of the more demonizing things that were said about the Vikings? Sure, sure, sure. Well, we can go through um, also just, you know, that they were all Vikings. Even the term Viking is more of a profession than an actual, like, culture. Uh, some people will argue that it was kind of very similar to pirates in, you know, uh, 18th century uh, Caribbean and such, where they technically weren't a nation, but they kind of had these this, this different rule and such. But Vikings as a whole were not necessarily a culture. They were just an occupation. Uh, it would be very much like, you know, I guess here in Arizona, the, one of the most common jobs is a contractor. That would be like if a thousand years from now, all Arizonans in this area were known as the contractors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's so, a lot more to kind of dig into. Right. There were you're... people who, there were uh, men and earls and chieftains who did go a Viking, um, but oftentimes that was mostly the result of if they didn't have a good trade down south or if they didn't have, you know, because most of the time they're going to try to trade with you uh, before they try to go go a Viking on you. Although that having hmm. been said, a lot of the settlement and trade was backed by a lot of this show of force and a lot of the pillaging and everything else. So uh, hmm. there's even some people that su suspect that the first Viking raid, Lindisfarne, was the result of uh, another... Um, what was was the result of a, a trade gone bad down south, and so they went more northernly and attacked the island of Lindisfarne. So, huh. but most of them are going to trade with you. Most of them are farmers, uh, and not everybody went a Viking. But of course, as it's written, since they were the kind of the occupiers, um, they uh, yeah they, they 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 were demonized a lot by the people who had a more sophisticated writing system. That's not to say that they didn't uh, tell the truth sometimes. Uh, there's actually a, uh, you want to be careful and keep, you know, keep your women close from when the Vikings are around because there was an actual uh, account from a monk here, and I'm trying to find it. Um, it's about that the, for washing, like that the, 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 uh, the it's, it's basically, uh, long story short, the Vikings were too pretty and they kept on stealing our women <laughs> and... And we've got to, and and so we killed them. That that's basically it. Is that it was that they, you know, the, this monk accounts saying that you know, yes, they, uh, you know, are you know settling in our areas, and that they're, you know, but the the what's so sinful about them is that they wash <laughs> periodically. They wash every Saturday. How uh, dare them! Right. Well, and, and that's the thing. This is you know opposed to the Anglo-Saxons and the English and. Uh, a lot of the other Europeans who are only uh, washing or bathing on a monthly to yearly basis. Uh, there's even some belief within like the Christian world that, you know, washing yourself invites bad spirits. Really? Yep. Yep. There's, there's some, uh, they say that, you know, that you have some washing that you could do. Like, of course you get, you know, there used to be a Viking joke where you only get washed at, at baptism. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, the, it was, uh, but yeah, no, they just, for some weird reason, there was either the superstition or they just didn't have the same sort of kind of resources or knowledge as the Vikings did. But the Vikings bathed every single week, uh, once a week on Saturday, and actually even to this day, uh, in Norwegian, Scan- uh, you know, in all the Scandinavian languages, uh, Saturday is called Lorstag, uh, which is a borrowing from Lagerdager, uh, which means wash day. And oh. that, a- that actually is in the language that is actually in the culture of the Scandinavians, and especially the medieval Scandinavians, the Vikings. Um, that it was, you know, once a week, it was Lorstag, it was the wash day. Uh, but they would also, uh, it was, uh, accounted by Ibn Fadlan, one of those Arab diplomats I told you about, uh, with the Kievan Rus, uh, who are kind of a sect of Swedish Vikings who made it into Russia and basically, basically started the, uh, the, the nation of Russia as we know it. Hmm. Um, but the, he, he went up there as a diplomat when they were still doing the old gods and the, the washing and such, and he did describe them all using the same bowl to wash their faces every single day, and that was the only thing that was very unhygienic, obviously, to you know somebody from the Islamic world during that time, where they had to have running water uh, poured on them, not only just for cleanliness reasons, but also for religious reasons as well. Hmm. Uh, and so, of course, they're depicted as filthy by him, uh, even though they are by, you know, by a lot of standards, less filthy and more clean than the rest of their their Germanic and European cousins. Man, wow. Who'd have thought that there's so much that goes into, you know, the washing and the, and the culture. We definitely don't think about that these days. We just, right. you know, we're so, well, at least in, you know, say our country and, and most of the world, we can keep ourselves um, clean and, and we think of it as other ways. Although I'm kind of thinking of the, the term uh, cleanliness is godliness or cleanliness is close to godliness. Or yes. There's some kind of saying like that yeah. where maybe they started adapting that after they found out that cleanliness is a good thing. Right. Very, very possibly that it could have, that it could have been one of the first PSAs about washing your hands. Uh, <laughs> Nice. It, def- it definitely could have been, especially since you have this little thing called the Black Plague uh, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> that that happened, uh, you know, a couple centuries after uh, the the Viking Age. So you had the, you know, and that was even like you know with the, the precursor to the Crusades and all these people traveling over, across what they thought was the globe at the time, and you had this pandemic that just kind of spread out. Hmm. Even uh, back yeah. then, but you know, but the Vikings kept washing themselves, so they they didn't get hit too hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but by, by that by that point, the Viking Age had probably ended. So yeah, yeah, nothing like a like a black plague to cause you to start being a little cleaner. <laughs> yeah, and even despite the the fact that like w- they would all use the same bowl and they would you know not necessarily have the cleanest water necessarily that they're, they're washing themselves with, uh, they still would do things like also like comb their hair that and that's actually one of the most common things that you see in a lot of viking burials and in a lot of viking settlements are you know combs and uh toothpicks and ear ear spoons um (laughs) (laughs) yeah ear spoons um they, they actually, so they didn't have Q-tips or anything like Q-tips for cleaning your ears even though technically you're not supposed to clean your ears with them anyway 
apparently i have um but uh they have ear spoons which were just literally little tiny spoons that were small enough to just go into your ear and scoop out the wax they would they would they were very meticulous in their cleaning and they would comb their beard and their hair and make sure you know that there were just no knots at all like they were very very meticulous uh it even got to the point where they were like uh they they would even bleach their hair as well uh, to get that uh, blonde, you know, look. You know, obviously, a lot of them were already naturally blonde, but then some people took it a step further because, you know, one, it keeps the lice out of it, uh, oh. it you know, because it's like lye and these kind of chemicals and stuff like that to bleach. Uh, I think that maybe there's some origins or some uh, people who say that they might have used urine as a bleach. Uh, we don't know necessarily much as much about that. We know that the English used urine as a bleach for washing their clothes, but really? not so much for yeah, not so much for personal hygiene. Wow. So um, that's uh, <laughs> so much. I just want to kind of back up a little bit. You, mm-hmm. you talked about the combs. And I did come across that that they were found a lot. They were found in the in the graves, I think, in almost yes. every Viking grave. So, is that something they would put items that were important to them? Because I know like the mm-hmm. Egyptians did that a lot. So this was also something in in the Viking or the Norse culture. Yeah, the the Egyptians really didn't like the idea of being just be buried in the ground. They really wanted to have this huge elaborate temple, basically, because they thought that. You actually did come, you know, uh, did come alive in your tomb uh, if you were a pharaoh, and you would basically live out your eternity in there as a spirit. Um, hmm. The other thing is the the thing with the Vikings is that you would have um, more of a that you're bringing this to Valhalla or to your 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 afterlife with you, or you could even use it like as payment. You know, it's the same thing with like the Greeks, where they would be given pennies on their eyes to pay the river, uh, the pay, pay Chiron at the river Styx. So ah. some people say that it could be used as payment or trade. Uh, you're basically going in their in their world going on expedition to the afterlife. And so you must be prepared for the expedition. It was also another really great way just to hide loot. Think of it as like a centuries long, uh, uh, a centuries long, uh, saving, uh, savings account, you know, basically, <laughs> whereas like, as long as you and your grandchildren don't die, you'll be able to know where this, you know, gold is and where these weapons are, these things of great value. So, hmm. So exhuming a, a relative, a loved one back in the day could be kind of like going to the bank. I mean, I, that sounds terrible to put it that way, but yeah, somewhat. Uh, and it really depended too. Is that like they? There were some that you know they really did believe that you were taking these things or the apparitions of these things with you to the in the grave. So uh, most of the people being dug up or most of the burial mounds being dug up uh, have you know been more that they were left alone than that they were sacred. That's not to say that nearby and also in the same marshes that you would find burial grounds, you also find just treasure mounds that they that they just put treasure in there and then they either got killed or they forgot where it was or they, you know, and it just, you know, left in the bog and there's, you know, they're still finding some of these treasure troves, you know, today, even though they're getting smaller and smaller, obviously, but we've got a lot of large ones in England as well as in Scandinavia. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And would they, so you're, you're saying they would make these kind of quote unquote treasure mounds. Um, 
were they made to look like graves so people wouldn't dig them up? No, think? not so much. Uh, treasure oh. mounds, we th- they, they sink into the bog, and they kind of have a mound shape and such, but they would want to make it as, you know, inconspicuous as possible. Okay. Whereas with burial mounds, they have had, like, the, sh- you know, the large stones in the shape of a ship, or they would even just bury a whole ship uh, as well. Um, and then in the later periods, they started doing the cremation of somebody on the ship on the water, and they would just sink in in that water that later then would become a marsh. Yeah. So nice. And uh, not to get too far off topic, but we were we're just talking about the mm-hmm. um, the hygiene of the Vikings and and how they kind of yep. went through their processes. They but... thought that you know that they would need those combs in the afterlife because you know it's cleanliness is just as godliness, I guess, to them even if, if you're already dead. Yeah. Hey, no, you gotta look good in the afterlife too. You don't know uh, how many of them, uh, you know, ex-lovers you might see in the next life. So. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, so, and, and, oops, and some people it. have even uh, uh, sort of some people have even like put it akin to them being like, if they're gonna go into battle, they might as well look good for the gods whenever they die. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just that they had different hygiene standards to the rest of Europe. They were very meticulous. They bathed way more often uh, than you know the, their their European counterparts and mainland counterparts and e- uh, e- English counterparts. Um, but of course, they definitely didn't bathe as much as we do today. And even there's even now people talking yeah. about how like we do too much. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, during this quarantine, I've kind of been like, I'm not going to see anybody today. Yeah. Why should I shower? <laughs> yeah, once a week. I, you know what? I'm I'm not gross. I'm just being a kick-ass Viking. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You at least wash your. They would at least wash their face and their hands, and like you know, douse their hair every day at least, just to give a get oh. a general washing. So. Well, then I'm not even being a Viking right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you were about to say, yeah, and I agree with this. I think this is what you're about to say, mm-hmm. is that some people believe that you know we even wash too much now, and you know it's in detriment to sometimes our our overall health. Um, sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't really know all the science behind it, but like you know, we we live in a society where generally, like when there isn't a quarantine and when there isn't a lot of other things, we have like a lot of people have the ability to bathe every single day, uh, which actually you know they that's what the uh, what Ibn Fadlan had the the Arab diplomat uh, that he he came up and he came from somewhere in the Islamic world where people had more ac- access to aqueducts and water and you know bathing and it was you know more a part of their rituals as well and such so yeah isn't that uh, uh, that could probably be transferred over to a lot of different things where mm-hmm. your ideals and your culture and what you think is right might just be because of a resource access kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, like we have so much water, of course we're going to bathe every day. Why wouldn't everyone else? But you might be in an area where you don't have access to the clean water all the time. So, you know, that, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting thing to think yeah. that, that geography plays a lot uh, in, in, in belief systems. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I'm going to take a quick second while we talk here with Hall Bjorn, our Viking, about some Viking hygiene stuff here during this pandemic. And uh, speaking of pandemics, I'm going to open up a beer. I'm not drinking mead tonight, which is kind of crazy. Oh, no. Uh, I've drank pretty Sacrilege. much. Sacrilege. I know. I've drank in pretty much all of my mead and keep forgetting to grab some from the meadery. So I need to get Evan to deliver. We do delivery. Uh, well, that probably is true. not for too much longer. But anyway, uh, during the pandemic, I have a pan American stout from uh, Wonderlust. Uh-huh. So open that up here. Uh, are you drinking anything? I had a bottle of the Metheglin last night. 
It was pretty ah, good. A whole bottle. Well, yeah, I I, t- I uh, had some steak with it, and it was just a 500 milliliter bottle. Oh, steak and methaglinate is that's a me- uh, that sounds wonderful. How did you pronounce it again? Uh, methaglin. Methaglin, cool. Um, we're gonna be doing a, a whole Monday night mead this Ooh, Monday. Yeah. Uh, all about uh, methaglin or methaglin, so it's cool to hear that there's a couple different pronunciations. Or am I just wrong? I mean, I'm sure it's like tomato, tomato, or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's you know interchangeable. Hmm. There are no tomatoes in our methaglin, though, for sure. Yeah, no, no, no mm-hmm. tomatoes. Although a tomato mead might, might not be bad. A tomato basil mead get some of the uh, get kind of a, a bloody mary mix going all on itself for a, a mead. Yeah. I've heard of avocado basil uh, mead, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Avocado. You know, I've done pretty much everything you can do with beer, but I never did avocado in a beer. I did tomatoes. We did tomato and cilantro, mm-hmm. made a, a bloody a bloody beer, we called it. Nice. Um, but avocado never did. But that a lot of that might have to do with the oil. Oil will kill your head retention, and you don't That's need to true. worry about that with mead, so. That's true. Uh, I also heard that I think it was like there's a California company called the Apiary or something like that but apparently they have a avocado blossom honey mead mm. that has a, a hops added to it and i i definitely want to try to get my hands on some avocado blossom honey just to see what it does for a mead flavor yeah absolutely i want to i mean it's almost it wouldn't impossible. be local arizona but you know yeah yeah uh, pretty close though <laughs> one one state away um, and then so many, so many different honeys out there. I think it'd be impossible in a lifetime to really try all the different <clears throat> honey varieties in a mead. But that's something I, I think once I start kind of homebrewing again, doing some home mead making is to mm-hmm. try out a, a bunch of different ones. So avocado blossom, um, buckwheat I've heard is real interesting. And Mesquite. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Mesquite. Well, I still want to do one with the almond honey that we use for the coffee mead. Oh yeah. All right. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. The, our coffee mead was made with almond honey. It has some. Uh, I think if it has some almond honey in it, so. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to stray yeah. too far again, yeah. with, but we are talking about yeah, honey yeah, and mead, and <laughs> so it is really interesting. We'll save that for another episode. Um, I wanted to kind of maybe if, see if there's anything to expound upon the the bleaching. You said they mm-hmm. they bleach their hair, and then you got my interest when you said that it could be used um, not just for looks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be also for, um, not only just looks, but also like a survivable thing. Like, you know, you would have less ticks in there or it would at least like kill off or make the ticks run away or the, the fleas that they would have to deal with, especially in the medieval era. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a clean place even to begin with, (laughs) but at least they were kind of doing what they could about it. And if um, I remember my history right, fleas were actually the ones that were carrying the plague. It wasn't the cats, correct? You, uh, the rats, or, yeah. Or, or, or it, it was, it was kind of the, the fleas on the rats, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was carrying it. And they thought it was the cats, and they got rid of the cats, but that was stupid because all of a sudden you have a rat explosion. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Again, a little off topic, but yeah, the, so the bleaching was part of the, the hygiene as well. Mm-hmm. and Well, the hygiene so, and the looks, and I, I it also is sort of like – you know, the, the sort of a little bit the reason why uh, polar bears are able to, you know, keep so warm because of their color. Uh, it sort of is like kind of it kind of helps with refraction of light and keeping things warmer and insulated. Uh, it also camouflages you more, I guess, in the in the the old the colder north to be blonder mm. and 
or and paler white rather than just dark, you know, dark haired and such. So hmm. it could just be that they're trying to, you know, they're dyeing their hair because it's a genetic trait that is, you know, sought after when you're, you know, in, in the cold North. Yeah, true. Yeah. And so was that something that, you know, maybe you don't know, is that something that would also be done by the women or was this just mostly a, Oh yes. Uh, I mean, you have different, uh, a lot of different Viking hairstyles, um, well, some of the stuff do that, a whole episode on that. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very interesting. Uh, although there's some debate on whether or not a lot of the uh, a lot of the hairstyles that you see in like the movies and things like that, it's debatable on whether they had anything like that. Because hmm. uh, a lot of it is very you know fantasy dreadlock or you know exorbitant uh, braids and such. And so there's some debate on what kind of hair they actually did have as you know, either a warrior society or a trading society or whatever they're doing. Um, like, ex- for example, my haircut that I have is kind of the Ragnar Lothbrok uh, look, um, but there's no evidence that they actually had anything kind of similar like that. But it's what we like to throw in there to show their, you know, th- what they like to do with their hair, which is the, the big, huge braids and, you know, being meticulous and being fancy and, and stealing all the Anglo-Saxon women. hey <laughs> Yeah, you mean to tell me Hollywood, uh, you know, gets a little excessive on things? Oh, yeah, <laughs> overdoes <for> it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Why? Why the long hair in the first place? Um. Mostly just because you, you know, you couldn't cut it necessarily as short as you wanted to back then. I mean, they did have shears, and there were many people that actually did, in fact, ha- wear their hair much shorter. Uh, contrary to like w- again what we see in the movies and stuff, not everybody may have had very long hair um but a large part of it is also just kind of culture that you know they would they would indeed braid their hair and they would have these large braids so they could still have the hair to keep them warm especially at night since Mm. they didn't exactly have like furnaces or stoves like we do today they just had the one big hearth so you're basically camping kind of inside um and so, gotcha. you know, it still keeps them warm and it still get, gives them uh, kind of something to sweat into so then they can focus more. Uh, same thing with like the beard and such. And also it's kind of protective too. It's it, it's just this hunk of hair that is that you have to get through if somebody's trying to attack you from behind or, you know, things mm. like that. Uh, although they would not want to have a lot of flowing hair necessarily on their helmets. They would just want something to glide right off instead of something to get a weapon stuck into. Yeah, I, yeah, that could either go well or not so well. Getting an enemy's weapon stuck in your hair, maybe it might disarm them, but it might also just cut the crap out of your neck. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about the warmth factor of that. That's totally mm-hmm. true. That you know, longer hair and beards, um, you know, kept you warmer. Uh, well, and night. oftentimes hair was kind of used sort of as a as a mini crop. You know, that you would use it for fire starter. You would use it for some cementing oh. things. Uh, especially when you had like, you know, it was not only your hair that was going into making mortar and and making, you know, bricks and things like, or or cement, I guess you could say, or like mud cement. Um, But it was also that you could, you know, shear a sheep and then combine that hair into there and, you know, use it as a something else. So like hygiene was trying to be as, you know, utilitarian as possible. (laughs) <laughs> especially is, in the early proto-germanic era and then of course a lot of the hairstyles and other things sort of evolved into more cultural things rather than survivalist things yeah that is you called it a little mini crop and i i, 
I was thinking about like the hair term, like a cropped hairdo, but you're uh, actually yeah. talking about like like a little you yeah. know, like row of yeah. corn instead yeah, of you, corn you, or wheat. Right. It was like you're growing it so that you can use it for other things. That's that is awesome. That's hilarious. And that's so fire I mean, you cut off a little bit of your beard and start a fire with it. I mean that's pretty freaking genius. Well, maybe not your beard, but uh oh, yeah. <laughs> too oily or too Oh, it's no, you wouldn't well, want to mess with that, right? No, you wouldn't want to mess with that. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's true. Because that does keep a lot of your warmth and the, the the its protection, basically, especially if they have it, like, braided. That's just another chunk of hair that if somebody tries to punch you, you can, you know, you, you can kind of take a hit. And that's what beards kind of sort of evolved from. <laughs> that's, yeah, take that. <laughs> yeah. Hair is saving me from getting knocked out. But, um, to yeah, to take a little bit. Uh, trim off of the beard might not look good either you might have a bald True. spot <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so but, well, but of course those survival. all right well if it's for survival but then of course you know as people evolved especially throughout the viking age and the medieval era they didn't really need to do that as much uh but of course the hairstyles just kind of stayed you know yeah and you know what hey use your enemy's beard and hair to start the fire that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you talk about drinking out of your enemy's skulls. Also, start mm-hmm. that fire that night to cook your meat over their hair. Ooh, wait, burning hair. Uh, yeah, no, you don't. Just to start do it. That. Just to start it. That's no. all. <laughs> yeah, just to start it. Just yeah. Oh, I just got like no. a whiff of like accidentally burning my arm hair. No, 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 no. no. I've I've done that. that <laughs> oh sucks. yes, I think we all have. Brought. Yeah. Uh, so what else is uh is in this. Uh, pretty intriguing story of, of Viking hygiene. Do you have anything else for us? Uh, I mean, honestly, like the funniest thing that I, I so we, I've got a couple like shop places that they do re, uh, you know, uh, re reenactment of combs and things like that. But there's also Hurstwick that they, he, they talk about like, you know, the types of combs that they found. Some of them were a whale tooth. They really like to comb. There's even like ancient bath pits that are in Iceland that they use the natural spring water in there. Uh, and there's just like, there's just these holes, these pits that are in Iceland and some of them are still open today and available for, for bathing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But they would just soak in the, in the, the in there and wash themselves every, uh, every Saturday or every Lorstag and such. Lorstag. And that was, mm-hmm. what was, what did that mean? Uh, wash day. Wash day. Lorstag. Yep. Cool. And so whale, whale tooth, were there any other prevalent or maybe not prevalent, but, um, you know, classy or high class kind of materials that they would find? Um, I think they might have also found some that are bronze. Hmm. Um, some that are bronze, some that might be steel. Most of them are more what that's going to be whale tooth or um, uh, just wooden combs. Wood, yeah. Yeah, just just a nice fine wood. Now here's something I did learn when we so we have a beard oil and a beard balm that we sell, uh-huh. and <clears throat> looking into that, I found that our use of plastic combs is pretty terrible because the plastic can get little nicks in it, which uh, can hmm. catch the the hair as you're trying to and damage the hair as you're trying to comb through. So those wooden combs are are way better uh for for your hair or for your yeah your hair your beard hair i mean i just i just use a thick uh it's not real boar brush but you could potentially make one with boar hair is just to get a brush 
Um, and that actually helps kind of form things a little bit better rather than uh, like combs. Combs oh. do are really good for really denotting your beard, especially when you have a very long one and you're trying to keep it long. Um, but it's you know you, the 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 brush is really where it's you know less pull and more more shaping. Hmm. So, okay. But, so maybe you use the comb to kind of like as that initial kind of get all yep. the tangles out, and then you use the brush for the forming. Yep. Cool. Actually, I would even use our the beard oil that we uh, make. I would use the beard oil, uh, just smother it as much as I can, and like just wipe it into my face, and then I comb, <laughs> and then I comb that out for all the knots and stuff. Um, and then uh, after that, I would use the the brush uh, just to form and shape it. And then maybe later on, if I wanted to keep the shape of my beard. Um, I actually use the beard oil or the beard balm that we have, not the beard oil, but the beard balm that we have to shape it a little bit more. So nice. And I'll tell you what, we've got a couple of different, um, kind of in- ingredients, if you will, or, or aromas, mm-hmm. aromatics with these, um, that you can, you can get. And some of those smell absolutely great. I mean, I'm not saying oh, yeah. I've put it on on purpose you know when i know that i'm going over my girlfriends or something but yeah that might be a thing <laughs> yeah no yeah i i've got one that is called oh let's see i've got the vial right here it's called the sorcerer's apprentice yep exactly that one yep and i think that one is uh i think it's what juniper berries and tobacco and sorcerer's magic don't forget that i i, I guess so yeah there's also <laughs> one called the magician's assistant or yes. the sorcerer's apprentice and, and the uh, magician's assistant. There's also yeah. the Fruit Loops one. Have you have you smelled the Fruit Loops one? I don't remember what it. I smell. I smelled them all. I can tell you that, but I don't okay. remember the Fruit Loops uh, smell. Okay. Well, the, there was one that definitely t- smells like Fruit Loops. Some people say Apple Jacks. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Apple Jacks and Fruit Loops probably pretty much smell the same and i think there's also an apple for the bomb but um yeah you can you can look on our website if you want to check out uh, a specific it's made specifically for us uh, by a company and again it's both the oil and the bomb sold separately Mm -hmm. or as a package at drinkhormeadery.com not that this is an advertisement but it's an advertisement (laughs) well and it's also just very similar stuff to what we're talking about they i mean they would still put oils and things in their beard and they would even have the the beard jewelry and such to to look really nice and such so beard jewelry mine (laughs) my beard i I cut it somewhat recently and i don't think the beard jewelry would necessarily fit well in it but that's that's a cool idea yeah, I mean, and yeah, again, they had beard jewelry. They had, you know, they would still do oils and braids and things like that to to keep them in, you know, to to keep them looking pretty, and stealing Anglo-Saxon women. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's kind of hilarious. I mean, in a certain kind of way, in a storytelling kind of way, that they were these big rugged, you know, warrior types, but mm-hmm. they also they kind of combined it perfectly. They were rough and tough, but then they were also you know, schmancy enough to, to not necessarily have to force their hand of like, you know, I don't even have to kill you to take your woman. <laughs> she, she's coming over to me anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then that gets you killed as the Viking. So, Oh no. Well, yeah, that's yeah. uh. Well, and then there's the, what they thought was very fancy schmancy, you know, and was considered very stylish by a lot of the Vikings um, maybe not stylish. It's more of a, an intimidation thing for when they're warriors and when they're Vikings. But some of them would file their teeth. Really? Yep. File like, their teeth. Like into, sharpen them. Uh huh. Sharpen them into points. 
uh, to just look uh, more, more to look scary than to actually use or anything like that. But yeah, some of them would sharpen them into points. Uh, some of them would put gro- like grooves or colored grooves or painting or something like that on their teeth for, you know, kind of a, an intimidation factor to their enemies. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That'd be gnarly to see. I got to look that up. Uh, maybe I'll post a, post that as one of the photos for this episode um, to see pointed and like colored teeth. I'm imagining like this dark purple and like, wow, that's so I don't I, I kind of feel like I, I think about that with say like, you know, sorcery and magicianry, magicianry, mm-hmm. um, like that kind of a, you know, fantasy realm kind of thing. But the, the actual right. Norsemen would, would do that. And I'll tell you what, uh, if you have sharp teeth, those could come in really, those could come really in yeah. handy in certain yeah. situations. Possibly. Um, I mean, just ask uh, Evander Holyfield, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got his ear uh, bit off by someone. So, um, so the, the um, the oils. Uh, I kind of want to see if it, maybe maybe you know a little bit more about this mm-hmm. or or not. But do you know what the oils were were from back then? Was it a specific type of oil? You know, I use? really don't know. Okay. Um, and yeah. I think that oils were used more throughout the Mediterranean and the Middle East and mm. uh, you know s- south you know South Europe. Uh, and such, but that, I mean, considering that, you know, the Vikings, again, not being just pelt-wearing barbarians, but actually being sophisticated merchants, traded with people from the Silk Road. Gotcha. You know, traded with, you know, the, the, the Arabs, and uh, there's some uh, artifacts that are from China that were found in Oslo, and, like, vice versa, that they were from, you know, Norway, and they, or they like, there's there were rune stones or something like that in China, like, very small rune stones. But that's probably more likely that they were traded with the Arab trading uh, posts, uh, and then put over to the over to the Chinese and over to the Norwegians, rather than having direct trade. There's not a lot of evidence of that. Yeah, and you talk about you know you keep calling them a couple times now pelt wearing blah blah blah. Um, was if they were fancy in their hygiene and their beards, uh, was, did that also spill over into their oh, their clothing and what they wore? Of course, the some of the same accounts by that same monk that you know saying that they're they're stealing all of our women. Um, uh, he actually also can, like says that yeah they wear very bright colors and wear very nice slender tunics and you know, are very you know like especially when they're like obviously not in battle if they're just settlers if they're just farmers um, they're not going to be in you know Viking in a in Viking garb all the time they're not going to be in armor the full time. And so a lot of the clothing that we see are these very long, elegant shirts, uh, very similar to what you would even see today in India. Uh, The tunic or the long shirt is one of the oldest forms of clothing that we have, you know, that that anybody can ever think of, really. Hmm. So just the long shirt. Right on. So it did spill over into clothing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, you go into battle, you got to look good. I think, I, I feel like that can be something even today. You know, you go into battle in a business, you want to look good. You go into battle mm-hmm. in a, you know, to get an interview, you want to look good. So it's uh, it's always a good thing to look good going into battle. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and again, the bright, and the thing is a lot of people think that the middle, middle ages were these drab, dreary, gray, 
brown sort mm -hmm. of you know horrible yep. you know sepia tone era um <laughs> so to speak and they think that it was so drab but you have to remember that like they did like yes they were expensive and only the nobles really had access to them but they did still have dyes and they did, did still have the ability to have color and such and so if they could get color as merchants and as warriors because they have uh, accumulated enough wealth they're going to flaunt it they're going to be like you know peacocks it's the same thing with church buildings and tapestries everybody thinks that these church buildings and tapestries have always been just drab and you know horrible and just you know really really you know colorless but back in their day before they aged a thousand years they were vibrant these people <laughs> loved color they mm -hmm. loved vibrant color that's where we get you know Christmas and everything else like that too is from in the the Middle Ages. Oh, okay. Wow. No, I definitely think of like you said the drab sepia style stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's just what I've been shown in media and, and Hollywood and television and everything is these dark dreary kind of things. And um, it makes sense though. I mean, if you can afford color and other people can't, then you're gonna get mm -hmm. it and you're gonna flaunt it. Oh yeah. Vikings were yep. were quite the peacocks too, weren't they? <laughs> oh, very much so. Uh, th there's even a joke that, like, in later periods, in the uh, Renaissance period, you had the German lens connects, um, which were the the very flowery hats and the very ribboned clothes and the the kind of pre musketeer musketeers, so to speak, uh, hmm. but just from Germany and with bigger swords. Um, but there's some people that kind of talk to, to tell that they are sort of like Vikings who just dress better, you know, they, and, and there's, they say the same thing about the pirates too, that they would, you know, they, they were, they would influence people. They would still hold power and because they were still technically a captain of a sovereign ship. So, and, uh, but it, it just, you know, I guess raiders and traders and, and pillagers have always, you know, cared about their looks. And what they're wearing. <laughs> cool, yeah. And when you raid and pillage and you find those things, you know, you're like, aha, I can wear this now. That's awesome. Raiders and, wait, what, what did you say? Uh, raiders, traders, and raiders, pillagers. Raiders, traders, and pillagers. I think that was a, that would be the name of an album pretty soon. Maybe. Raiders, traders, and pillagers. Um, cool. So uh, anything else Do you want to talk about these these Vikings and, and their dashing good looks and good healthy hygiene? Uh, I mean, I think that pretty much covers most of it. Uh, just, yeah. uh, you know, we can learn from them and be as cleanly a people as we can. And since we live in the modern age, we know that, you know, best way to flatten that curve and beat the pandemic is to just be cleanly. Wash your damn hands. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, wash your damn hands. Be a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Be so clean. Yes, be clean, sir. Um, that definitely is a, a great thing now to, to kind of think of. When I asked myself before this podcast to describe a Viking, I thought of dirty, muddy, grungy, smelly. Now when I think of Viking, I'm going to think um, clean, well-dressed, good hygiene, caring about those things. And, uh, that's pretty awesome to know that, that mm -hmm. there's, uh, you know, that out there, that there's still those stories that, that we need to, we need to learn about if we really want to understand this, this Norse culture that we as, you know, mead lovers and, and mead makers and such, uh, hold so dearly. Oh yeah, for sure. And if you want to kind of see a little bit of an example of Viking clothing, uh, hopefully we'll be having the meat hall available for curbside pickup uh, here in the next little couple weeks, I guess, or something like that. 
uh, and then we can you know you can come by and see the the tunics that I wear. Some of them are really nice. Some of them are very much more like the peasant tunic. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> hopefully you catch Halbjorn in his non-peasant day. But right in, in, in my right in my very elegant uh, <laughs> long shirt. Yeah, yeah, the Mead Hall uh, coming to downtown Flagstaff very soon. In fact, most people who are going to listen to this, uh, it will already be open and ready to go, and it is going to be quite the experience, including some very clean, very well-dressed Vikings slinging the mead to you. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Hobby, for jumping back on. Um, you've taught us about some of the mythology in the previous episode about Othoror, and now you've told us about Viking cleanliness in the times of a pandemic. I'm excited about future episodes. You can just learn us up real good about uh, all this, this kick-ass Viking shit that we're, we're going to continue to talk about. So thanks again for coming on. Really enjoyed this one. Yeah, definitely, of course. Thank you for having me. Sweet. Well, skull, buddy. See you soon. Skull. See ya.